0: All right, great to see you out this morning. I'm Tony Van and I'm the lead pastor here at Centennial. And if I've never met you personally before, I'd love to do that and hope to meet you even today right after the service. Last Sunday in our series, They Follow Jesus, uh, Pastor Cole spoke and talked about moving from the crowd to the congregation, and I've heard that God worked in a wonderful way, as he talked about us doing the things that only we can do so that God can do the things that only he can do. And what an important truth that is. When we talk about continuously moving toward Christ, we begin with knowing him and with a personal relationship with Jesus. And and you might say that we know so that we can grow. Okay, there are a lot of people, uh, for some reason, when it comes to Christianity, they feel like They know about God just so that they can know about God, right? That would be like going down to the library and going into the section, whatever section you like with hobbies. Uh, Maybe it's uh, uh, fishing or hunting, which seems to be a popular thing here in southern Idaho, right? Or maybe it's knitting or uh, some of the other knitting things that I don't even know the names of. Needlepoint, is that one of them? Needle point? Maybe you, maybe you catch and display butterflies. I don't know what it is. But whatever your hobby is, it's like you go to the library and you pull down every book on fishing, right? And you take it up to the desk and you have them stamp it and you take it home and you read every book on fishing. And then you take them back to the library and you get even more books and you buy books online about fishing. And then somebody says to you, do you ever go fishing? Like, no, I just want to know about it. Right Now, how many of you, that makes a lot of sense, that you just want to know about it? That doesn't make any sense. Right? She does. She doesn't make sense to Janice. All right, so there we go. Sorry, sorry, Janice, That I didn't mean to demean you when I said it doesn't make any sense. It makes sense to Janice, okay? Um, but, you know, sometimes people feel this way about God. They're like, well, I want to know about God. But knowing about God is so that we can be growing in Christ. And so knowing leads... To growing. And, and then uh, growing leads to sowing because we sow the seed of the gospel so that others can know who Jesus is. And really that's the picture of what discipleship is. We know so we can grow and we grow so we can sow the gospel. And I put that all in a rhyme for you so to help you, okay? So we know we can grow so we can grow and we grow so we can sow. This morning we're going to deal with moving From the congregation, people who are coming to church on a regular basis, to the committed. And God has called every member to be a minister. We aren't called to sit, we're called to serve. Many people have good intentions about serving God, but their intentions are packaged together with all of the excuses why they can't do it. If my situation were better. If the circumstances were different. And I'll tell you this, if we wait until all the conditions are right before we commit ourselves to God's service, it'll be too late to serve. In this life, we have a very short window to get things done for eternal purposes. Our text today is in Matthew chapter 25. And if you have your Bible, turn over there or if you want to look it up on your app, on your phone or your tablet, Matthew chapter 25. Uh, Thank you for all of the well wishes. My wife and I were out of town this uh, past week or so, a little bit over a week, and uh, she had earned a trip uh, over to Switzerland, and so we were uh, there in Zurich for church last Sunday in the only English-speaking church in Zurich, and it was a great service uh, with a big pipe organ, and and the pastor preached a wonderful message on the gospel, and we enjoyed that. And then we got to see some relatives In Holland, uh, so we've just gone uh, into Holland for a few days after that. We really enjoyed it. And so now we're back, and we've been back since Friday night. And we're starting to figure out which time zone we're in. And uh, and so maybe kind of getting back to to normal here. But we're in Matthew chapter 25, where we'll read a parable, which is a story that Jesus gave. And many might be familiar with this particular story. It's often been called the Parable of the Talents. And so I'll start reading in verse number 14, if you'd like to follow along with me. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his sovereignty. It straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with them, The same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Then he, which had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, it is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury, or with interest. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, this is such an interesting parable, because the faithful servants couldn't wait for their Lord to return. They wanted to share with him the great news of what had been accomplished with his talents. But the unfaithful servants, they dreaded the Lord's return, this unfaithful servant, because he had nothing to show from the entire time the master had been away. And so I believe God has some things in this parable for us this morning that are vital to us moving from being in the congregation, from being in those who are faithful attend services, uh, and then moving into the area of being committed, of committing some extra things to Christ, and giving of the Lord what he wants us to give. And so we're going to see this in several parts this morning. The notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with us. And let's start by saying this. God distributes his gifts to us. God distributes his gifts to us. And you notice that the Lord delivered unto the servants his goods. He gave uh, one person five talents. And and one person he gave two talents. And another person he gave one talent. The master knew his servants better than anyone else. And he knew exactly how much to distribute to each person. And what he distributed would never belong to his servants. It would always belong to him. And I can tell you today that God has designed you and formed you so that he could distribute to, to you exactly what would fit your shape. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, there was a place in Oklahoma City called Big Ed's Hamburgers. And uh, there's places like this all over the nation now, but back then, Big Ed had this uh, this burger, and it was a burger challenge. And so what it was is he made up this huge bun. It was actually it was about this big. And on the bun, he put 16 quarter pound patties, 16 quarter pound patties, so that's four pounds of beef, and, uh, and then cheese, and lettuce, and onions. And man, I gotta take my jacket off just thinking about this. It's <laughs> getting serious here. Um, And then uh, with it, there was a pound of French fries and a half a gallon of soda. And Big Ed gave this challenge out, and he said, anybody who eats my challenge in 45 minutes gets it for free. And it's basically like I'm paying money to torture myself. I don't understand. But uh, my football coach in high school... His name is Bruce Ward, and he used to play for the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Diego Chargers. And he's somewhat bigger than I was. A six foot five, 350 pounds. <laughs> right? Big guy. And all these football players, the whole season long, they said, if we win such and such a game at the end of the season, will you do the Big Ed Challenge? And finally, he said he would. And, and so those guys, I mean, they came and they played their hearts out, and they gave everything. And uh, left it all on the field and won the game by a couple of points. And and so Coach Ward, he went to Big Ed's, and there was a huge crowd, and people are taking pictures, and he could put the food away, I'm telling you. And he started eating the Big Ed's challenge, and people are cheering him on. And, man, things were going good. And and the the people, had, like there are some of us who if we eat a quarter-pound big burger, one of them, it's like the end of the world for us. Like, and he just kept trucking, he's Tossing french fries, drinking soda. He's plowing through that thing. And everybody's like, he's going to make it. This is great. We're going to get this t-shirt, and it's going to be wonderful. And he got two bites from the end. Two bites from the end. He had two measly little bites of burger left. And everybody's like, yes. And you could just see his face color change. (laughs) And it changed from good. And let's just say it changed to bad, okay? Let's not not get into the details of this. But let's just say that the Big Ed challenge ended up not in his belly. Okay, let's just say it that way. Let's just say it was a bad scene. Even in your own family, if you have kids, you know which one of your kids can eat a lot and which one's probably not going to eat much. Okay? And sometimes, surprisingly enough, it's your girls who just can put it away. Right? (laughs) Why is everybody looking at Tamara? I don't get this. <laughs> like half the room just look at Tamara. I don't even know, the, I didn't even know this about her. And her mom says, I don't know, is it true or not? But, um, but at our house, uh, Dawson, it's like he has a hollow leg. He can eat and eat and eat and eat. Like you take him to an all you can eat place, everybody else is done, they've had their dessert, they sat there for 30 minutes, and he's still going back to get food. And you're like, are you full so he can leave? He's like, no. And Cody, he eats less than his wife. Right? He's just got a different ability when it comes to food. Not saying Michaela's a big eater, but just, you know. Everybody's got a different ability for that. Now listen, you wouldn't say that because someone has or doesn't have the ability to eat a certain amount of food, that that's right or wrong. Would you? You would just say that's different. We just have different abilities to eat and to do certain things. And God has distributed exactly the way that he thinks that he should. And we have no say in how God delivers the talents to humanity. Because of who God is and because of his sovereignty, He does whatsoever he will. That's a quote from scripture. God gives gifts and talents in the way he desires. And we don't have any choice in the matter. And I hope that you won't ever get sucked into the downward spiral of a pity party, feeling sorry for yourself over whatever talents or abilities God has or hasn't given you. There are two huge reasons why it's a complete waste of time To feel sorry for yourself about your talents and gifts. Here's the first reason. The talents all belong to the Lord to be used for his glory. They don't belong to us anyway. They belong to him. The second reason that you should uh, really not get into this pity party is you can't do anything to change it. God has distributed however he will and you can't change it. He's in charge of it. He knows the reasons why. No, it's not fair. And it shouldn't be fair. And if you can't change it, why would you spend one second worrying about it? How about focus on being grateful that the sovereign God of creation took the time to make you a unique individual with a unique set of talents and abilities and gifts that can be used for his glory. Don't spend a second worrying about what he did with his own stuff in one of his other servants. What we know for sure is that God has given each of us some things that are equal. Uh, for instance, we all have the same amount of time each day to invest his talents in eternity. Every morning, we all get a fresh start and another day to use his gifts for his glory. But, you know, if we think that the talents belong to us, that they're for us, that we own them, we are blinded to the reality of eternity. We get wrapped up in the here and now. And that's when we start getting concerned about what gifts so-and-so has. There's another story Jesus told back in Matthew 20 of, of a vineyard owner. He had a, the vineyard owner went out early in the morning, and he hired day laborers for a penny a day. And then he went out at 9 in the morning, in the middle of the morning, and he hired some more. And he said to him, whatever's right, I'll give it to you. He didn't tell him how much. He said, whatever's right, I'll give it to you. He went out again at noon and at 3 in the afternoon. And then at 5 p.m., an hour before the horn sounded, he hired more people. And they all showed up to get paid. And the owner told his steward, give all of them a penny. And some of the guys that started their shifts early in the morning, they were upset. They complained. Hey, these guys have only been here an hour. You gave them equal to us. That's not fair. We worked in the heat of the day. We should get more. And the vineyard owner said, look, didn't you agree this morning to work for a penny? And then he said, I can do whatever I want with my money. And here's the question. Don't miss this. this such a big question at the end of the parable in Matthew 20. Here's the question. The vineyard owner said this. He said, is thine eye evil? because i am good is your eye evil because i'm good you know that same question applies to god's distribution of the talents is your eye evil because of how god has distributed his talents and his gifts and his body shape and his all of the different abilities that we have is your eye evil because God's good. We we sometimes get so wrapped up in these things that we see as jealousy. Or maybe we don't identify it or call it that, but it's envy or jealousy. And we say, God, you could have made me like so-and-so. You could have given me those parents. You could have given me that job. You could have made me the same size as her, or you could have made me the same height as him. Now, two of my friends this week, I... While I was out of town, I saw a picture of them, and they ran into, they were in a restaurant in Los Angeles, and they ran into Shaquille O'Neal, and they got their picture taken with him. And I'm telling you what, it's really funny. Uh, the guy, he's higher than I can even reach, right? And when I reach up, I can barely touch the bottom of a regular door, uh, the, the doorpost. Okay, don't laugh at me. I'm preaching here, okay? <laughs> um. And that's only six foot eight. Shaq, the top of his head is seven foot one. And so the picture is hilarious because you got these little guys and then he's massively big. He's up there. You're like, God, you could have made me that big. You could have made me like this. You could have made me like that. And what we think is, what we think is that maybe I have a little problem with so-and-so. Right? Because she's this size or because he did this. But could I let you in on a little secret? The real problem we have is with God. Because what we're saying to God is, God, you messed up when you made me. You didn't make me up to my standards. You didn't give me the gifts that I think you should have given me. And God, you owe me. And I'm upset at you. And jealousy isn't a problem with somebody else. It's a problem with God. Is your eye evil? Because God is good. Are you upset that other people have received of God's goodness? And so that's this first part of the message that we have to really grasp. Now, I want to move into this second area because it's so important. As we look at the first two guys who were given talents, Uh, here's... The topic, this second topic, some manage his gifts well. Some manage his gifts well. So the guy with five talents, he goes out, he uses his ingenuity and discipline to earn another five talents. As fully what the master expected. That's why he gave him five. The, The guy with two talents goes out and labors to earn another two talents. And by the way, most of us, can I just be real? Most of us are two-talent people. Okay, most people are. Uh, there are very few five-talent people, right? Those are kind of the ringers, and they're, you know, the, the ones that are celebrities in certain ways, because they're just out of the ordinary. They're just you got a little more of this or a little more of that than the rest of us. You know, most of us are two-talent people when it comes right down to it. You know, we're kind of in the middle of the road. Yeah, and there's some one-talent people, too. But but God's the one who distributed that. And so the guy with two, he went out and got another two. And both of those servants did everything they could to be profitable for their master. Now, I want you to notice something about this, though, that's interesting. They didn't do this work to become the master's servants, they were already the master's servants. We don't do works to become God's children. We do works because we already are God's children, and we've been created in Christ Jesus to serve as what he calls his workmanship. Okay, now in your neighborhood, uh, you probably have never had a kid knock on your door and say, listen, if I rake your leaves for the next two years, and if I mow your lawn, and if I wash your car every week in the summer, can I become your kid? Right? It's never happened probably. Right? But if you had kids, guess what they got to do just because they were your kid? Just for the privilege of being your kid, wash the car, mow the lawn, right? pull the weeds, wash the window, make your bed. And by the way, parents, in 2018, don't be afraid to tell your kids what to do if they live at your house. We live in a culture that's so whacked out being afraid of their own kids. Like, you live in my house, you go do it. Well, shouldn't I have to pay money to my kid for doing it? No, you already feed him. And if he's a teenage boy, he eats a lot. Right here, look at this. He's like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) That's me. We don't do what we do to become God's children. We serve because we already are. So here were these some who managed well. And they went out to please the master. You know, as we grow in the Lord, we learn how to do better at investing in eternity. And we see ourselves as part of God's big picture plan. Uh, We don't see ourselves as just this little part uh, of, of society or a part of life. We see ourselves as this big picture of eternity. There's an interesting phrase Jesus used. He said this, to whom much is given. Much is required. And no matter how many talents God has given you, we've all been given time, energy, gifts, abilities, resources. It's all on loan from God. And we are called to manage it for his kingdom purposes. But something happens, though. For some reason, over time, we start to feel like the time and the abilities and the energy and the resources belong to us so that we can do whatever we want with them. We act like we are owners instead of managers. Many years ago, this couple invited Amy and I over for dinner. And uh, we got to their house and, and when we got there, thing just seemed a little strange and you couldn't really put your finger on it. It was just kind of a weird scenario, and there were boxes in quite a few places in the house, and there were no pictures on the wall. And so I said, oh, oh, did you guys just recently move in? And uh, he said, no, we've lived here for almost a year and a half. We're like, okay. And uh, as we got to talking, we found out that they didn't own the house, and they didn't rent the house. They had found an abandoned house in a neighborhood and moved into it but they had everything ready to go just in case the bank showed up that was the most interesting evening <laughs> that's very strange right it's like whoa what if we got this? i feel like the police are gonna show up while we're eating <laughs> it could get bad in here and they're just talking, ho, oh, oh, ho, yeah, so just in case the bank shows up. And this was during the time of the downturn. And goodness gracious, most interesting evening. You know, they weren't living in anticipation of the bank showing up. They were living in constant dread, anxiety of having the bank show up. And Jesus wants us to look forward to his return. The people who manage his gifts well can look forward to his return. So we can tell him all the amazing things that have happened with the kingdom opportunities he's, he's providing. Yet it seems that many of God's children aren't really looking forward to our Lord coming back. Because they've chosen to keep a seat warm instead of serving. And let's talk about this third part. Others treat his gifts poorly. So some manage God's gifts well, but others treat his gifts Poorly. The servant who got one bag of money promptly went and dug a hole to hide it. He wasn't going to be industrious. He wasn't going to labor. He was going to sit and wait. And the servant felt that his master's expectations were so high that it wasn't even worth trying. He felt that the master was just going to punish him no matter what. And whatever his excuse was, the reality, the truth was, he disliked the character and work of his master. He didn't believe in working for his master. He didn't believe in the entire enterprise. And so he was going to sit on the sideline. Now look, if you're not busy for God, it may not be for the same reasons or with the same motives behind it of this guy. But no matter the intention or the excuse... There are those who grossly mishandle the talents that God has given. Look again at verse 25. He said, and I was afraid. And I went and hid thy talent in the earth. He's afraid. I, I couldn't bring myself to move forward. And then this guy has the audacity to say, Master, it's actually your fault. Because you're so hard to work for. You expect so much of us. Can I remind you that God expects much of us because much has been given to us? Once again, to whom much is given, much is required. Everybody has been given a talent. No child of God is exempt from laboring in the harvest field. And you can hide your Christianity at your workplace and among your friends because you're afraid of wearing religion on your sleeve or you're hesitant to be intolerant to other belief systems. But it really comes down to the fact that you're ashamed of Jesus Christ. And people who are ashamed of Christ do not live happy, fruitful lives because they are unprofitable servants. They have what James calls faith without works. And faith without works is a dead faith. It's a faith that has never been ignited with a personal relationship with Jesus. And some people have made a religious decision, but they've never experienced new life in Christ. And so yes, there are some who manage God's gifts well, but there are others who treat God's gifts very poorly. And that brings us now to this final part of this message, which is so important. And it's the part I hope that you'll grasp and latch onto through this week, our commitment to his gifts will be judged. It really will. Our commitment to his gifts will be judged. Scripture tells us that every one of us will give an account of what we've done with the gifts God has given us, with the connections God has allowed us to make, with the opportunities that God has engineered for our individualized service. I want to take a look at 1 Corinthians 3 before we finish up this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's a very interesting passage here about what is often called the judgment seat of Christ, which is the judgment for those who are children of God, those who are believers in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, and I'll start this in verse number 9 For we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry, you're God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, so there are a variety of things that we can build with, every man's work shall be made manifest. That means every man's work will be openly shown. Years ago, my in-laws lived in Meridian, and they had bought a house over there, and uh, Fred, my father-in-law, asked me to come over and help one day because he wanted to put in uh, a new television and uh, he said he had found this hollow place in the wall, and he was going to insert it in. And this was back when big televisions were massive, but they also weighed like 400 pounds, right? And they were this wide. And so he had to get the clearance for it. And so he said, uh, we're going to make a hole, and then I need you to crawl inside of the hole. I'm like, is this a short joke? <laughs> I need you to crawl inside the hole and do the wiring so that we can put the TV in. So we made this big hole, and man, it's a massive hole. And uh, so I get up there and jump in. And I get down inside the wall, and it's full, like this high, with garbage. McDonald's bags, jack-in-the-box cups, you know, rubble. Just, like in his wall, in his house. Like, Come over here, look at this. When they built your house, this was the trash barrel. And nobody ever cleaned it out. They just kept it inside your wall. And so we cleaned it all out. We got it out of there. You know, every man's work will be made manifest. It's going to happen. It's going to be openly shown what we have invested God's resources on. Nobody's going to be exempt from it. It's going to be shown for me. It's going to be shown for you. And everything will be laid out in the open. And nobody can hide From the truth, and the truth will declare what has happened. It shall be revealed, it says, by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now look at verse 14. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Let's talk through this just a little bit as we finish up. There are some people, as Jesus said in Matthew 7, who call unto him, Lord, Lord, but they never have a relationship with him. They profess they know God, but in works, they deny him. They are what we might call professors without faith. And the people mentioned in this passage we just read in 1 Corinthians 3 are not professors without faith. They're all believers. Okay? All of these are believers. But some of them are believers who have invested absolutely nothing in eternity. They remain saved. Salvation cannot be lost. But all of their works will be burnt up in the judgment. But those who have used God's talents to invest in eternity will have their works survive the fire of judgment. And their labors for the Lord will come out pure and precious that's the word picture here that's given in 1 Corinthians. Some of you say, Well, why? I thought I was supposed to work just because I love Jesus. Uh, why does it say that we'll have a reward? Am I supposed to work for reward? Uh, you know what the reward is? The reward is that you get to lay crowns at the feet of He who alone is worthy and bow before His throne. The reward is worth living for. And Paul said in Philippians, this one thing I do, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We don't work for temporary rewards. We work for eternal rewards because he is worthy of our work. He is worthy of our service. He's worthy of our investment. So this is such a big topic. But God's word is perfectly clear. If you've repented of your way, Turn to God's way if you've placed your faith in the crucified risen Christ alone for salvation You are born again a new creature. You can never be unborn Salvation is given by grace, so it cannot be taken by works Salvation is secured through grace. It cannot be kept through works and yet God wants us. He desires us. He calls us. He beckons us to labor in his fields. And Jesus wants us to be his hands and his feet in our communities. And spiritual slothfulness is just as serious a sin as active wickedness. Did you catch what I just said? Spiritual slothfulness is just as serious a sin as active wickedness there are a lot of believers a lot of Christians who try to minimize their talents and abilities to shade themselves from responsibility and I sometimes do this with my wife because I don't like to talk on the phone so I say honey you're really good at talking on the phone can you call the insurance company honey you're really good at talking on the phone can you call these people for me now, she really is good at talking on the phone. But I'm not an invalid. I just don't like to do it. right? And she knows this. She plays along. She's like, yeah, you're terrible at talking on the phone. You're horrible. You're the worst at talking on the phone. You should never talk on the phone. Yeah, and it, so she kind of plays it up with me. But, you know, we sometimes try to shade ourselves from responsibility by saying, you know what? I'm just not good at anything. God has just called me to sit here in the pews and do nothing. Can I tell you it's bogus, and you know it, and God knows it? He's called us all to do something. He's called us all to serve. And the parable we looked at today takes away the flimsy excuses of that pretense and reminds us that we are all answerable for what God has given us. And our commitment to his gifts will be judged. Now, all of this leads us to today's big truth. And here it is. When it comes to managing God's gifts, settling for the status quo leads to ruin. The unprofitable servant had his talent taken away. He was cast into the darkness with others to complain about the master and to be miserable together. The status quo says, worry about God later. But the Bible says to capitalize on every day you've been given. To remember your Creator now in the days of your youth. Because you have been given this day to serve God. And if you use it for anything else, it goes in the scrap heap of wasted days that won't last the fire of judgment. But for those who've taken what God has given you, the time, the energy, the resources, the gifts, the talents, the personality, the abilities, the experiences. And you've used those to shine the light of Jesus in the world. Can you imagine hearing the best words any child of God will ever hear? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. There's an old song I used to sing when I was a kid. and Some of you probably know it. I love this old song. It's called, It Will Be Worth It All. It says, uh, sometimes the day seems long. Our trial's hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal day. And then the chorus says, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Some of you in here are moms, and you may be moms by adoption, or you may be moms by natural birth, and either way, your heart really has invested and loved in your child. I see moms who are expecting, and moms who have children in heaven, of children who they were expecting, and. Motherhood's a very difficult thing in general. And you talk to moms, and they're going through it, and boy, they're, they're sluggish, and they're sick, and, and their body's changing, and all these things are happening. And the moment, the second, that they see the face of that baby, they forget everything else. And they forget everything. And then they're actually foolish enough to want to do it again. (laughs) And some moms just yearn their whole life to be able to do it once. And I think of how that crosses over because our lives here are such a picture of eternity. You stack up the worst day you've ever had, multiply it times a million, and when you see the face of Jesus Christ, it'll be washed away. That won't be anything. You'll say, oh yeah, that was just a thing. Most of the biggest fights people have in marriage, five years later, they don't even remember what they fought about. All of our trials and troubles on this earth, they seem so big when we're going through it. But when the master comes back and he looks at you, kneeling before his throne, and you've invested in eternity. And yes, you're fallible, and you've made mistakes, and you've failed, and there are things you wanted to do that you didn't do, and there are things you didn't want to do where you failed him, and you've had to confess, and you've had to forsake, and you've been so sorry, and you kneel before his throne, and he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I can assure you those are the greatest words You could ever hear. Some of you didn't have a very good relationship with your dad or with your mom. And the thing that you yearned for the most, it wasn't an inheritance. It wasn't a new car. Maybe you said those things, but what you really wanted is you wanted your dad to say, son, I'm so proud of you. What you really wanted was for your mom to say, daughter, I just love so much who you are. We saw some of our relatives in Holland these last few days, and it's a good thing that they can speak pretty good English because my Dutch is horrible. And uh, they were talking to us, and and I remember one of the cousins, uh, he kept telling us stories about his dad and... When he put it into English, he'd say, I tell you about my daddy. His dad, because he's old Dutch, he never looked at him and said, Andre, I'm so proud of you. In fact, he never looked at him and said, Andre, I just love you. Because old Dutch men just didn't do that. And in the United States, there are a bunch of World War II people that just didn't do that. And you could see the yearning. His dad's passed away now. And you could see the yearning on his face as he told the stories that he just kind of wishes that his dad had said, Andre, you've made such a beautiful farm. You've done such a good job. I tell you this. Your mom maybe didn't come through for you on that. And maybe your dad didn't come through for you on that. But I promise you, and God promised you, and it is assured, if you yield your life to Jesus Christ, God won't let you down. He is the father you've always wanted. And right now, with the decision you make in your heart to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to serve you. Right now, he's saying to you, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm proud of you. There's nothing you can do to make me love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do to make me love you any less. I love you. And when we serve God, I hope we won't do it out of duty. I I hope we won't do it because we're worried about the judgment. I hope we do it because we want to look in the eyes of our Father. And hear him say, well done. And so today's faith challenge is this. Are you ready to rethink your approach to biblical stewardship? Are you willing today to say, God, everything you've entrusted into my hands belongs to you as to be used for your glory. Help me to keep focus on what matters most. Eternity. Let's pray together. God